0: Infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smeltzer. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. My name is Chad Smeltzer. I am your host. Today's guest is Jeff. Odoms, who's the Public Works Director for Hollandale Beach, Florida. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Thanks for having me, sir. Appreciate it, Chad. Jeff, I was looking through your background. Uh, you've been in the industry 20 plus years, almost 30 years, it looked like, or, or right around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yep. started your career in the Army, at Piers, or at least you were involved in the Army. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. of, of like where you started and why you wanted to get into public works? Sure. Uh,
1: So again, thanks for having me this morning. Appreciate that. Um, Well, for me, public works is it's an interesting term. Public works, we use it now. We speak of municipal government, but public work or working for the public is actually a broad subject. So for me, it started with federal service in the military and army specifically Um, for a total of 12 years I did in the military. Um, And then, I, you know, got out, decided that it wasn't for me. Uh, I joined municipal government after that time um, in the um, city of West Palm Beach, uh, where I worked in water and wastewater utilities, kind of started from the bottom up, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then went through at different different levels, you know, got into environmental compliance, which is just some different side of utilities um, in that particular um, city. And then moved from there to Hollandale Beach as an assistant director of public works, which in- covers all of pub- public works and utilities in a, combo- in a combination fashion. So it's kind of like water and wastewater and all the different aspects of public service as it relates to public works. And I've been with Hollandale Beach now for about four years.
0: Wow. Well, thanks for your service, first of all. And uh, thanks for your service in public service, because we need more, more people like yourself out there <laughs> doing the work. Yeah. Uh, to get these yeah. Things done. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So so as you uh, started West Palm Beach, uh, did you start from the bottom? Uh, I didn't see exactly what positions you held, but where did you start in West Palm Beach?
1: So when I um, left the military full time. I I, um, came to Florida and I began working, as I stated, with West Palm Beach. And I started as a trainee, as a wastewater treatment plant operator trainee. And, And I didn't know at the time what that was, it was kind of just answering an ad in the paper and yes, that's what we used back then, newspapers for ads for jobs, I'm that kind of old, but you know, that's what we did. So right. you'd circle it and you'd go to the interview and so forth. Um, but that's where I first learned about utilities and utilities management from a, water, a wastewater treatment perspective and worked with the, the plant and facility there to treat wastewater, Uh, um, you know, didn't know much about the biological process that it goes through, didn't know much about the microorganisms that break down organic waste uh, and, you know, through its process. And so it was a lot to learn. It was new, but it was interesting. It was interesting. So I stuck with it and eventually spent about 21 years of that 30 at that facility working in that capacity at different levels of, of employment, you know, trainee to licensed operator to a licensed operator and shift supervisor to superintendent, you know, up the ladder to, to uh, interim manager for the facility at one point when we were going through a change of management. So there was a lot of learning at that level. Um, Leaving there, I moved into another position within the city, which was environmental Mm -hmm. compliance. And that was just about more of the industrial side of managing, um, if you will, to say industries and companies and their discharges into the wastewater uh, system yeah. and just managing those aspects, you know, making sure they're complying with federal and state and local laws as to those discharges, things of that nature. And then subsequently from there, I moved into uh, Hollandale Beach as the assistant director of uh, Utility operations, first and foremost, and dealt with uh, sanitary sewer collections and wastewater uh, uh, collection, water distribution, water treatment, um, and gosh, there's so many other areas that I touch on. but, But that's how my utility career has progressed from pretty much the start to current.
0: What gives you the motivation?
1: I want to see the people get what they pay for. Yeah. Um I I I and I said that rather quickly and I didn't mean to answer so quickly That's but it was great. like right there but, it, yeah. but I I I kind of one of the things with me is and I th- I think anyone listening to this can attest to this next statement when I walk out of my front door and I see flooding on my street or something not right I get frustrated and the first thing I think about is who's doing this who's responsible for this I paid for better than this and all of those different thoughts go through our heads and we want to call somebody right well if i'm going to be the person on the receiving end of one of my wife's phone calls i want to give my best effort in this role for somebody else so i guess for me what drives me is seeing the people get what they're supposed to get by you know by appropriate standard from municipal government as it relates to utilities and public works that because yeah. i would want it for myself
0: yeah that's uh that's you you did respond right away to that and that was great because it was a great answer. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I think most people would, I hope, say when public service you know, when they come out. They want to help others, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what yeah. our goal is. Because I do the same thing where I walk out of my house and I'm like, okay, well, they didn't do the curb inlets yet. The, the sidewalks aren't finished. You know, Why is it taking mm-hmm. them so long? And then I think about, well, it's the scheduling issues. It's mm-hmm. the, all the other issues that are happening out there in construction these days. Uh, it just takes longer to get things done with all the shortages of labor and stuff like that. Where have you <clears throat> had, because you're so motivated to move up and learn uh, through all these different, um, you know, at West Palm Beach was one of your you know, best places of, of learning, it seemed. Did you have a mentor there or did you, how did you just stay focused on wanting to grow there and learn more?
1: I think for me, one of the key people that there are a lot of people, you know, with a 20 year career in one location, there are a lot of people that come and go um that help you develop a sense of wanting to learn and wanting to grow and then also teach you how to be a mentor to someone else there are a lot of people that come and go in your life um one particular person there's there's a group of people i can name right now but but um uh i remember Roberto castro was very instrumental in my initial days on the facility learning the plant he would always take me under his wing want to teach me things you know He's passed since, but uh, I I give him that shout out because I've never forgotten the level of interest he took in me learning the right things to do as a young operator. And Robert Grupo is another very dear friend of mine who's very uh, always supported helping me understand more managerial aspects of how to manage a facility and and manage the team as he's chief operator. He's a chief operator at another local utility right now. So I, I, I always speak to him and go to him sometimes for different understanding and guidance even now. Um, yeah. From a higher level managerial position, kind of where I am right now, um, I would give that one to Bevin Baudet. He used to be 40 years at Palm Beach County. Uh, waste uh, utility director, and I still reach out to him periodically for questions and guidance. and And I remember sitting with him one day at lunch, uh, when I was still at that facility. And I said to him, I said, "What do I need to do to grow and to to become a director? To you know, to to build my own um, reputation and experience and educational background." Right. And he took me, we, we sat at lunch, and he just laid it out for me. He told me all the things that I should be considering doing, many of those suggestions I took, yeah. and and put them in play, and here I am. So I give credit where that is due to those folks in my life, like you mentioned in your question, uh, yeah. that helped me develop the mindset to be where I am today.
0: Now, did you go to get a degree and stuff like that? I don't know if I missed that in your LinkedIn, but did you have to go get a degree and stuff um,
1: not particularly in public works and utilities because it's very limited um at the collegiate level as it relates to that uh but i do have a a bachelor's degree in project management which is uh, it's while it's a generic type topic, if you will, it's very yeah. it's very prominent in utilities because you have so many different types and styles of construction projects that you have to move through that understanding the principles of project management becomes very, very important. So I have a bachelor's a bachelor's of science degree in uh, project management, and I also okay. have a graduate degree in emergency management, which as anyone knows, I in see. utilities, you have to be understanding how emergencies are just that they come out of all. Um, sudden onset. and You have to have ability to understand, move quickly, know where your resources lie, get the right resources in play and be able to, you know, put those things in an active plan to recover from whatever it is that just hits you out of nowhere. So those right. two degrees have really prepped me, I think, for the position that I hold right
0: now. Yeah. Wow. That's good stuff. Because, And the reason why I brought up degrees is because I I hear, you know, my dad used to work at Charleston Water and he never got that degree. So he always struggled to move up because they would Mm -hmm. want that engineering degree, for example. And, you know, and I, I always looked at that as, you know, it didn't seem right. You know, someone with the expertise Mm -hmm. of knowing how to run something and, and, and growing into leadership roles and want to learn more, you know, whether they had a degree or not, just didn't make sense to me because they had this skill set of experience, like twenty some years of running a wastewater treatment mm-hmm. plant. That's a lot or a water plant, right? And yep. uh, to to hire somebody with a degree straight out of school with no experience made no it makes no sense when you look at it. Or I agree, agree with that. Yeah, I was just curious. I agree with about that.
1: that. No, yeah. I agree with that because when one of the things that I find sometimes is that many cities um, really stop themselves from gr- um, grabbing great candidates when you focus in on a PE, which for us a, a, a professional engineer certification. Right. Why? Because engineers are great. I'm not discounting them at all. You need engineers on your team. Engineers work from the perspective of building something to correct something that is not, either built or you are increasing capacity, you wanna repair something, something like that. And they'll right. design it, wonderful. Operating that thing you design falls into a different category. If you're not the day-to-day person to touch it, to turn it, to twist it, to move it, to utilize it in whatever way it was meant to be used and you're not at the table for discussion, it is a loss to the project overall. Um, because what you are losing is the understanding of usability and functionality at the Mm. ground level of what you design you can design anything you like but if you do not have the right
0: person to understand how to operate it you have a problem yeah wow that's powerful man it's so true in all aspects of today where we where i think we missed out on a lot of great like you said great great potential that was there we just never guided them up through the the process of water you know and sewer uh you know treatment and then getting them into a leadership role. So we, we lack some some education and guidance there, it seems like in certain places. So what are some of the challenges you face though? Because it wasn't easy, I'm sure, just moving up through the ranks. No, no.
1: You know, there's always <laughs> challenges. There's always challenges and, and many of many of them are organizational. You know, you you, you yeah. end up in organizations that have a a mindset of what they see as how they uh, what they see as the most important priority, uh, what they believe is the, the way that it's always been done mentality. Uh, they don't have that innovative thought process that goes with new technology that might be coming forward or new work practices that might be developed that makes things move. So when you have people that try to do that, sometimes you can stunt that growth. Sometimes oh, yeah. you can find yourself not willing to allow it to come into your organization because you don't understand it. And for me, those would be the challenges that I face, because a lot of times when I see things, I speak to those things, and I want to see those things at least get discussed and potentially evaluated for implementation. But you don't always get the support from the persons that you need to get that support from to see those ideas germinate. So for me, if you ask my challenges over the years is to have that opportunity to have new understandings germinate within an organization to help them become hopefully a more efficient way of doing business.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of what I've heard through the years of my talking with public work directors like Mm -hmm. yourself and others throughout the country, it's 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 always a challenge to get buy in from everyone. Right. Because you want your operators to buy in. You want everyone to to buy in and stuff like that. But the issue is, is, you know, getting them all to buy in on the technology, for Mm -hmm. example. So Mm -hmm. how did you overcome a lot of did you have any experiences with that stuff, like trying to get everyone's buy in?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, there, there, there's a there's a process that often is a sort of certification. I, I have a uh, six. I did a lot of six sigma training and efficiency data collection type certifications, yeah. um, and looking at a lot, taking the time to assess processes and assess opportunities, and to to review uh, effectiveness of internal processes within the scope of the organization with which I work. I've done it in West Palm. I've done it in Hollandale. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you look at things and you you find out that by stratifying the data after you've collected collected it, you realize that maybe changing a certain process may save certain dollars within the scope of your organizational, you know, your man your your management of your organization. Yeah. Cost of poor cost of poor quality is what what it's usually called. And this is what that's demonstrated as. So if we make this change, we may save X amount of dollars over the next annual period. Something of that nature may be a part of the output reporting. Right. Well, you don't always get that right. buy-in to make those changes because it may affect someone's position. It may affect someone's um, maybe not so much the position, but the, the amount and scope of work that they're responsible for may change.
0: Right.
1: And so sometimes management doesn't want to do that because it may expose certain poor decisions that were made previous that mm-hmm. they don't want exposed. So you oftentimes, well, you, spoke specifically to myself, I oftentimes, I should say, find that that diagnosis or assessment is not received. It's not something that, you know, goes beyond, here's the report, and it kind of just sits at that level. And that's happened a couple of times in my career. Um, So where those things are there that offer an opportunity to be hopefully better, they're not always taken for the reasons, you know, whatever those reasons are, political reasons, uh, you right. know, preferential reasons, all of those things imply uh,
0: weigh in on it. First thing that popped in my head was ego, I've noticed. There's a yeah. lot of that. A lot of ego, yeah. And because, as you said, not in exact words, but, you know, when an idea gets put in, implemented, right, the last thing any decision maker wants is that to be looked upon as a bad decision you know mm-hmm. so the ego is getting away then it's like okay well we're just going to keep using the same crappy system even though i made the decision to purchase it for example you know that's the kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. thing that can really stifle uh, an organization right i mean that's the kind of stuff that just really hampers our progress and in infrastructure i think it, it's a lot of that it, it does yeah it does 100 like yeah yeah so where where do you think we can move from that uh is that a you think we are changing the way we're doing things now? You're, you're obviously an open-minded public works director. You, you like to look at new things, technologies and new ideas. But how can we get others to do that? Well, one of the biggest things we have to look
1: at is it goes back to one of the first questions you asked me. Why am I doing this? Yeah. If I'm doing this for self-promotion, if I'm, this, if I'm doing this podcast because I want to be out there, somebody calls me up and offers me a great opportunity, then maybe I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Because if my end goal is to put the best opportunity in front of the people for them to achieve the goal of having their projects completed for the betterment of their life, you know, their life experience. If that is my true goal, then I should be open to every opportunity to learn something new, save a dollar and increase productivity and make something more effective and more efficient. That should be my goal every day. If it's not, then I need to check, quote, my ego to find out exactly why I'm doing this. So yeah. when you say to me, where do we go from here? We need more of this thought process in our industry. We need yeah. to be thinking more about what's good for the people at the end product as opposed to what's good for us in our pro- professional growth. We, we, right. we just need more of that. Uh, if we learn to look at it, like I said, from the perspective of what am I getting for my tax dollar when I walk out of my front door? And yeah. then thinking about, am I giving everything I can for the tax dollars of the city that I serve in the same manner that I would want to receive it. That, that's the move. That's the, that's where we need 100%. to be trying to go as, as people that are trying to work in this industry.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. You're exactly right, man. That's a, <laughs> that's the mentality we need and, and more of that. Um, so as, as we, you and I have talked about procurement recently in the past, couple, I guess, weeks at this point, point. Um, yes. one of the biggest challenges now is like supply chain issues, labor issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting projects done on time, you know, contractors uh, being able to, it sounds like, you know, kind of control the whole process because there's limited supply of contractors so they can dictate mm-hmm. what they want and how they want it. What and you I'm facing we, that challenge
1: right now. Actually, are you
0: okay? Go ahead. I am. I am. I'm curious on what your yeah. thought is on. That.
1: Well, well, I, I will tell you. I just had a meeting. I, I can't say the contractor's name. I wouldn't right. do that to them. But I had a recent meeting where you know I just got their 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 situation straight with us, they're contracted and stuff like that. And then they give us their, uh, you know, their schedule, their baseline schedule. And it was so far out from actually starting the project that Mm. we had a meeting and I I was like frustrated. I'm like, you know, it shouldn't take that long. But again, supply chain issues, wanting to have things ordered ahead of time before they begin the construction is, is important to them as a contractor. So they're not tying up their resources um, in an unnecessary fashion by starting a project and then having to leave and then come back you know those kinds of things they want to come in from start to finish on the project but they yeah. can't because the su- uh, supply chain slowdowns cause them to have to wait to, to, to be able to do that. So what that means for me as an end user is my start date on the project gets pushed back dramatically because you're trying to make sure you as a contractor are trying to make sure everything is here before you start. So I'm getting times of one year to start after I've given you a purchase order. It's a long time to have a purchase order open and with no work actually functioning on it. So Mm -hmm. that is part of a real world example. Um, Since we spoke about it the last time, I've talked to other directors at some of our neighboring cities,
0: and it's something that we're seeing across the board. So if we have all these contractors, uh, how you know because the budget's got to be spent. We got to get the money out. We got to get the projects Mm -hmm. done. That's why the capital money's there. But if this Mm -hmm. uh, continues to overlap budgets, how are we going to keep the money in to do these projects? Because eventually, it's it's like how do we keep moving these projects along, but along, but get the budget money uh, going with it? I I don't know if I'm describing that correctly, but no, no, you 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 are
1: you are. What you would do, like in our case, Complex. what I would end up doing is I have to roll the budget. I have to roll the purchase order into the next fiscal year. So it just Got keeps it. rolling until the job is completed. So, you know, when we get to the end of this fiscal year, which would be like September 30th, right around that time frame, obviously with this particular project is not going to be done. So right. I'll have to roll that purchase order over to the next year and it continues. But the real heartburn is that's, that's the somewhat easy part. The real heartburn is when I have to meet with the commissioners and they're asking me for a construction plan and I outline timeframes that I believe are fair and justifiable. And then those timeframes now get pushed back because of supply chain. It comes back to where we start where I mentioned a little while ago. What are the city residents getting? And then they start looking But you said, such and such a time. And now it's not that time. Those are the hard conversations to have.
0: Oh yeah, because uh, everybody wants things now, right? Uh, everybody wants it. We're a
1: now generation. we we grew up with now, you know. So we don't we yeah. don't understand slowdown. We don't understand right. you know yeah. that. So that's the problem. That's the
0: how how do you handle those uh, conversations with commissioners and council <laughs> people? I I'm just I would love I could only imagine what it's like, but I, you know I'm just in a in a certain way, how can you could you describe it? Is it just
1: it's a it's a very delicate conversation, but but be. not delicate because of um you know them not understanding that I, I wouldn't say that. I think what it is is you 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 want to try to give people, you really want to try to give people what they're asking for. For me yeah. anyway. You really want to get that thing built so it's completed, you have that feeling of accomplishment, you have that feeling that you did the job right and that the public got it. Yeah. So you push, you know, and, and I'm, I push we're doing right now about seven. I have about seventy one million dollars worth of actual infrastructure projects trying to get completed within the next two and a half years. Wow. But I'm a gre- I, I'm what I consider somewhat aggressive. Our city really needs it. We need to get it done. So you get out and you say, listen, we're going to start by such and such a time. Based on what I see, we can start by such and such a time. Okay, so right. you asked me the question, how do you go back now and have the conversation? Yeah. Well, ma'am, sir, um, you know, things didn't go as much as or as well as I thought they were going to go. Um, supply chain issues are now impacting our ability to move forward at the pace that I thought we would originally. Um, but please bear in mind and understand that it's still at the forefront of our thought process to get these projects done and accomplished on, the behi- on behalf of the city. We yeah. want to see this happen it's not for a lack of, of of desire and it's not for a lack of focus and prioritization it's really impacted by what we're facing countrywide right now and just rest assured that as soon as we have the ability to get the project started and completed just know that that's our everyday desire and motivation
0: yeah that's uh that is a very good way of articulating <laughs> the the way to talk to uh, the right people man that's for sure i i What are some of the things that a contractor could do better? Uh,
1: There are two points that happen with contractors. Either they don't have enough staff or the supply chain issues that you mentioned a a few moments ago. Like they can't get the items that they need. Um, For me, the way they can help is if obviously if they can get more people, more more team members and stuff like that. If they could do that, that would be great. Because then you have more people available to get out to more jobs and get the job started sooner. If, But the supply chain is the thing. There's no movement on that. It, it, you're still subject to whatever that's going to look like in regards to being able to get your project started in a timely manner.
0: Right. Uh, a way of like, understanding more about you know, the, the struggles with you trying to get... Projects completed and appease, you know, trying to appease the council and, and make sure everyone's happy on that side, but also trying to work with the contractors and appease them sort of too, so that they can get to your project uh, sooner rather than later. But you're competing kind of with other cities. Is that is that very the way, much so. the way it feels?
1: Very much so. Okay, um, it is. It is a rapid competition right now. You mm. know, the good thing. The good thing that happened with this administration at the federal level is that they've put so much money into infrastructure and and funding opportunities are so much out there that um, cities are all taking advantage. And, And projects that may have been on the shelf for years are now getting pushed back out because they have a lot of federal aid to support them getting constructed. What that means is construction teams are now pressed into service a lot more than they would have been, say, two, three years ago. That's one yeah. aspect. That means the in the uh, the opening of opportunities for people to have work in construction is much higher than it was. That's the plus. The downside is there are less, less people in the labor market, and less people trying to be on those construction teams. So yeah. you have a di- you have a, a dichotomy of operation. You know, you, we're giving more work out. We have more money available. We have more work to be done, but we have less people to do it. Yeah, and that's one thing. So that creates a competitive aspect to all of the cities that are trying to get this work done why because we're all fighting for the same pool of contractors right um and, and this is just the contractor part of the conversation the supply chain we already discussed so you you compound it with the supply chain slowdown plus what we just what I just mentioned and you really make it a competitive opportunity you really everything is on the table now how yeah. fast can you get a po out the door because yeah. they need the PO to order the parts. You right. can't order the parts mm. without a PO. So if your PO process is a long process, you're already behind the eight ball if City X is able to get their PO out the door in half the time that you are. Mm. So yeah. all of those things weigh against one another. All of those things fight against each other. These All these me- metric, metrics excuse me, fight against each other. And so now you have mm-hmm. – if you recall, i just take a moment of your time to just give you this example. Go if for you it. recall at the very beginning of COVID, yeah. when everyone was trying to get ventilators and masks, if, I don't know if you remember right. this. Oh, and you no. I hear remember. On the, And you remember on the news, you would hear like this person grabbed a check and they ran down and they had to go buy it right off the airplane. And another city got there first with their check and they got the supplies and they came with masks on a plane and all of those things were happening on the news. Oh, yeah. You can see those stories. That's what's happening now. Wow. In the construction aspect just not broadly spoken of. In other words, it's not running down the street with a check, but it's who can get their project out faster and get Mm -hmm. the services under contract with a vendor first can get on the list
0: of having their project completed. So then that gives the contractors, and I know you and I talked about this, but that gives the contractors the massive advantage of just picking what cities they want to work with. Where are they going to make the most money? 100% what's going to be the easiest city to work with. And they're going to, if they're going to, especially as my experience in construction, if you're going to give me the opportunity to do change orders, if you say, Hey, you know, if I know they are a great city and you're going to give me the opportunity to change orders, I'm working with you before I work with any other city because I don't want to have mm-hmm. to deal with change order <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know, res- yep. You know, exactly. and stuff. Yep.
1: Everything's on
0: the table. If it takes me
1: twice as long to get my pay applications responded to with this with city A, but city B is really easy when I submit my pay applications to get my team paid, which is important yep. to them. They give me no headache. They give me no drama. I get my stuff done. I'm going with B over A especially yeah. if I can get equal money or almost the same money. Yeah. So you really put your city at a deficit by not having those opportunities looked at to improve your process, to get things done faster, whatever city that may be.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's, it's always a, a awesome talking to you, Jeff. Every time we, we get together, I, I get kind of goosebumps because you're, you're hitting these points, man. It's like real talk. So as we wrap this up, because we're at the end of the podcast, what, What's sure. one thing that you could share with the younger generation that are listening to this podcast and like want to potentially get into this uh, either the construction side or in the public works side? What's some of the advice you would give a young person? So
1: I would look at the construction side first, and I'll end on public service side. The okay. construction side is if you're if you're a person, a young person, and you have the the the. The idea to build a company to build you know to work in construction and all those things and 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 want to work in projects this is a great time um oh, yeah. because there's so much work available so many projects available for you to submit bids in on and to be a part of building your own personal company's profile by being a part of so many different projects so this is a great time for that go I would say to you, go after all of their proper business permits. Uh, opening permits, I mean, you know, to open a business, yeah. get all the certifications you need, develop a, whatever your business's profile is going to be, set up your website, all of that stuff, LLC, all of that, and get yourself into the game of bidding on government municipal projects. There are a lot out there, millions of dollars. If you do good work, I'm sure you'll find a way to make a good, um, good, be successful, right? Right. on the pu- on the public service side i would say this and this is something that that is hard sometimes because a lot of people they don't see it maybe from the, the perspective that i see it if you have a desire to work in public service ensure it comes from your heart more than it comes from your professional your desire for professional growth you'll get so much more out of it you may not feel you get listened to as much because that passion that you're going to have is going to bump into a lot of political thought processes. But if you hold on to the passion, you will be rewarded when you see your projects done, when you know a neighborhood that really needs it, got that project done, when yeah. you know that streets are repaved and they look beautiful to the eye as you drive down those streets, or a lift station that constantly overflows because it's old and outdated, has now been rehabilitated and now works and it has a nice row of of hedges around it now and not a broken fence to make it look, uh, you know, look bad to the eye, you right. feel that, you feel that when you bring that passion to work. And it can be disappointing when it doesn't move fast. I will honestly say that. But at the end, the reward feels so much better. So you just got to stick with it. So if you want to be in public service, you want to be in public works in any way, bring the passion to see the end result more than the passion for your own personal growth. You'll be much the better for it at the end of it all.
0: Jeff, that was powerful, man. And you're right on the money with all that. You got to have passion. And you know, even on the construction side, I think passion is very helpful too wanting this to do a quality job because yes right now is we can see uh you know potential of you know doing a project is great but making sure we apply the products uh materials Mm -hmm. and stuff like that correctly is is sustainable for the future right life cycle management things like that for infrastructure so passion on both sides i mean you're you hit it man it's just it's great to hear someone like yourself out there, you know, giving advice like that is, is what we need in this space. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been
1: awesome. You're more than so welcome, people, sir. You're
0: more than welcome. How can people get a hold of you?
1: Well, they can find me uh, very easily, relatively easily. I'm on uh, I'm on LinkedIn, you can find me there, you know, um at City Hollandale Beach, you can find me there. I have a small consulting some company that I'm putting together, you can find me there. It's umisconsulting.com. Uh, it's also uh, utilities management inst- installation solutions that now, you know, why I use the acronym UMIS because that can be a tongue twister, uh, okay. but you can find me in all these different locations and please reach out via LinkedIn, reach out via email, reach out via, you know, you can get my phone call information from those those locations. I'm readily available and easy to talk to and always willing to share.
0: You are, man. And it's been a pleasure meeting you and talking to you. And Thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast and you have a great day.
1: And you as well, so great to be here. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmelzer.